and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hello, folks. Welcome to yet another episode from the Sales Chat Show. Sales Chat Show team ready in the studio recording you another episode. The MC Meister himself, Graham Jones, has just pressed record. And Mr. Jessen and myself, Simon Hazeldean, we are ready to rock. Oh, we're going, coming over all 1970s DJ here. Uh, this episode is called Are You Chasing a Hazy New Business Dream That Means You Are Doomed to Fail? Oh, those lovely words, new business. How we love those two words, all of us in sales. I thought Mr. you meant those lovely words, doomed to fail. <laughs> that'd, be your, that'd be your motivational pep talk from you. So if your sales manager's motivational pep talk for a new product launches i think is doomed to fail definitely time to get a new sales one, one thing that is doomed to fail by the way is having any kind of sales target that is definitely doomed oh, to God. fail he can't miss an opportunity dear listeners if you have if you're one of the few sales chat show regular listeners who've not yet listened to graham waxing on and on and on about why sales targets are a waste of time please check out those two episodes we've we've had to do it twice he's so pedantic about it if we don't let him mention it every now and again his blood pressure goes up and he, yeah. he tells us it's not good for him so but seriously interesting debates to uh, to have a have a look at but mr jesson you you got a bit of a an axe to grind on this one. You were telling us a little bit of a story from your past. It looked well, like there's some unresolved conflicts there. Uh, really? Okay. okay. Right. <laughs> this um, therapy session. Yes. <laughs> yes. Lie down and tell me about your childhood, Phil. <laughs> yes. yes. When, you, when you mentioned earlier 1970s DJs, I, I knew you were coming to me eventually. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, th this story starts really with something I, I've witnessed many times times and it's sales directors saying to the team we need more new business and it's a sort of a very hazy dream and what often happens of course at the end of a month or a quarter is that the sales body has a one-to-one -one and the sales director says well how are you getting on with your new business and the salesperson says well I haven't really been doing any of that because I've been very busy elsewhere and the conversation moves on instantly, uh, rather than the salesperson being held accountable. But the salesperson can't be held accountable because there never was any real specific meaning to the phrase, we need more new business. So uh, I would just like to start this episode by telling the story of some work that I'm doing now. Yes, it's not a, a thing of the past. This is some work I'm doing now. Uh, I am still very much in demand locally, at least, um, for my services. Um, and this is a this is a a lighting company that I'm doing some work with the chief executive, who again made the mistake in my company of saying we need some new business in the future. Oh dear! And oh. when I pushed him on that, we ummed and ahed all over the place. But eventually, after we'd looked at how much of his 2022 
business was likely to come from existing customers and people already in the pipeline, we actually arrived at the figure of he needs approximately half a million pounds worth of new business coming in to his company next year. That's the sort of ballpark starting point. And when I said to this guy, a man called Steve, when I said to Steve, so how many new customers are you going to need? He said, well, I've no idea. And I said, well, you do know. You do know. I said, tell me the typical first order from a new customer and what happens after that typically. And he said, well, the first order value is normally a thousand pounds. And then they tend to order another four in the six months that follow. So you can see where my processy yeah. brain was oh, yeah. going with this. We've now got new customers that are typically going to be spending £5,000 in a half a million pound target. So guess what? Steve needs 100 new customers coming into his business, spending money next year. And when I said to Steve, well, who are these people? He said, I haven't got a clue. He said, and I said to him, you have got a clue, Steve. Tell me the selection criteria for these people. What makes a dream customer, the people that you really want? And he said to me, well, typically, uh, they've got to be somewhere between London and Birmingham. Typically, we need to be able to convert them within three to six months. There are four target markets that we're after, and he outlined those. And he said, also, we need access to the decision-making process face-to-face -face because we need to do a demonstration of the equipment. There's no point trying to... Anyway, so lo and behold, Steve was able to tell me, much to his surprise, that there were some selection criteria, although he never would have known that or called them that. So we then adopted what I call the war room approach. And if you think back to the glorious days of Bletchley Park and all of that other stuff that you've seen in the film, you'll know what I mean by the war room, uh, pushing things around on the board, etc., etc. Now, I should point out that to some of our listeners, the very phrase war room in a modern commercial environment is somewhat distasteful. But I'm not talking about fighting with customers. I'm talking about fighting with competitors and laying siege to the territory. That's obviously what we're after when I talk about the war room. So what this uh, company are now doing as part of their preparation for next year is they've got a huge laminated map on the wall that is about six or seven feet high and about the same wide. It's laminated. And what they are going to be doing with a number of coloured stickers is the red stickers will be within the 100 people that they're going for. The red stickers will be, we know who they are and we've done our research. That red sticker will then be replaced with an amber sticker, a yellow sticker, and that will basically mean we've contacted them or we've visited them. And that will be replaced eventually with a green sticker, which is basically we've had the first order, brackets, and we'll probably get another one fairly shortly, brackets. And all of that work that I've just outlined there can basically be described, I think, as planning the work 
if you think about the other part of this, working the plan, what they're also doing now ahead of this big push next year is that they are updating and changing the website. And they're also now in the process of getting testimonials from happy 2021 customers in each of these target markets that they're working in so that when they do this big push next year, they are talking about relevant wow testimonials. They've not got some dusty, crusty testimonial with a 2014 date on it, et cetera, et cetera. So I just tell that story to get us started under the general heading of, yes, you can turn a very hazy, dreamlike statement of we need more new business into somewhat of a more focused reality that stands a fair chance of actually happening and working successfully. So that's me kicking off. Over to you, chaps. Any so, thoughts? So on... right back at the top of your process, this is the business that he's he needs in addition to growth from existing. Yes, so you absolutely. were very you were very clear to isolate yep. five hundred half a million. <clears throat> yes, was, has to be from net new yep. customers, which I think, and, is, and that process yeah. which we've previously talked about on the sales chat show, we've often described it as backward planning, yeah. where you start with your key accounts, you then look at your existing customers, you then look at prospects that are already known and are in the pipeline, yeah. and eventually that shortfall, best described as suspects, you might say, people that we suspect might be able to give us some business, but at the moment uh, we don't know a lot about them. But you're absolutely right, Simon, uh, that was the assumption that made up this half a million pounds ish of new business from brand new people that have never yet traded with them i mean one one observation is it's a very low tech solution the map and having worked in an organization with the manufacturing a lot of the manufacturing environments they were very fond of visual display boards where they would have all the performance figures and all the targets permanently in view in key traffic areas of the sites and offices and things so people can keep seeing so although a seven by seven laminated paper map see with stickers which is phil you love your little stickies don't you um seems like a very very low tech solution actually it does keep that performance visible to everybody in whoever wherever they cite it so there's a thing about making performance visible to people so they know how they're doing which i would just it's, call out as an aside yeah. and, and and one one additional point on that which i didn't actually mention and i should have done is that you're quite right it, it's a low tech solution but for yeah. him uh, an ex raf man who still flies helicopters today for fun um, yeah. for fun <laughs> yeah um, uh, yes you can see why that type of thinking and landing on red squares and amber squares and green squares is very much in alignment with how yeah. he likes to work as a person. Because Graham, you, you, there must be a ton of super sales analytics, AI solutions that like more sophisticated offerings that would do some of the legwork on this on, you know, for, for, yeah. for, for an organization, maybe not because it's going to cost some money, right. For those solutions. But I had a very similar conversation with a company the other day where um, 
they were looking to introduce Kanban planning. I don't know if you know about Kanban planning, but that was um, initiated by Toyota. Um, so Toyota introduced a visual planning process so that they could move, uh, they could understand exactly what was going on in their manufacturing. So it's a lean management kind of approach yeah. to get things done in the shortest possible time, shortest possible routes, um, least amount of bureaucracy and everything else. And they invented this uh, system called Kanban, so it's Japanese for signboard. Um, and basically, it's a, they had a board on the wall and they wrote in one column what was to do and then they moved it through the various phases. So, you know, it had been allocated to somebody, so they picked up that item and moved it into the allocation column and then when it had been done they moved it into the done column so they had a visual representation of where every stage of the manufacturing was um, in front of them on a board uh, rather than having to go around and fill papers in and all the rest of it um, you can buy kanban software uh, which will do this a representation of your your um, processes for you know sales processes um so you can pay subscriptions of anything between you know, $15 a month per person right through to you know a few hundred dollars per month per person to have all kinds of sophisticated things. And companies are paying you know, literally tens of thousands of pounds to have this software available to their staff. And I was talking to this company and I said, but you can, get, you can buy Kanban boards. You can go onto Amazon and buy a Kanban board, but they are about £250 each. Um, and if you need one of those in every office, um, then, you know, you're into big spend. And I said, but you can do a Kanban board yourself. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, you've got a wall, haven't you? I, yeah. Well, all you've got to do is, you know, do you mind drawing on your office wall? No, no. We, well, you can draw three columns then, you know, to do, in progress, done. And then you can use post-it notes mm. uh, or, you know, other sticky notes are available, mm. but you can just, you know, stick notes in the appropriate place. Um, and if you're worried that they're going to fall off, then you can use, um, you know, um, tack squares to stick it on. So cheap, you know, cost you a fiver for the packet of sticky notes. And there you've got yourself a Kanban board. Yeah. We don't need to go for complicated software to do all this. The Phil's described a very useful way. You could, if you wanted to, do exactly what Phil is su suggesting using Google Maps. So you could take Google Maps, you can program Google Maps, and you can add those stickers, those traffic light stickers, and people could update those traffic light stickers, and then somebody could be notified that the sticker's been updated. All that does is interrupt their day, make things take longer, um, and reduces productivity. Whereas if there's just a seven-foot-high board on the wall, everybody can see it when they walk past. The simple solution is usually the best. We don't have to go for complicated software to achieve things that we can do with a sticker on the wall. But if you are using some form of the software or you're, you're using some sort of analytics to crawl all over your CRM, you know, get your get your Salesforce or your Microsoft Dynamics buff in to, you know, to take a look. The important thing is you, you need to have some form of Kanban board or some form of dashboard or something that everybody can see. So if you've got a field-based sales yeah. team, they need to be able to see it. But yeah. managers have to make it part of the meetings because if it just... 
you know, the other thing they used to do a lot in the production facilities was hold little stand-up meetings by the visual display boards. So you actually decide what you're going to be doing about things with the information with you. Same thing like coaching your sales team with the CRM. Get the CRM, get them sharing their screen with you if you're coaching them remotely yeah. or managing them remotely. And use the data, use the information, use the follow-up. You know, how do we turn these red ones to amber? How do we turn these amber ones to green? It's really basic, but very, very powerful management principle, isn't it? Of just measuring and monitoring and 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 then coach. I'm a bit stuck with this one. Okay, why are you getting a bit stuck? Okay, what have you tried so far? What else could you do? Is there anyone else in the team who's had a similar problem that solved it? And then you make the whole business development process, I think, visible, alive, active, and it'll happen. Because let's be honest, if you've got a choice between going and seeing customer A, who I've been visiting for the last three years, and we get on really well and we have a coffee and we talk about the football or the sport at the weekend, I'd much rather do that than go knocking on a, a new customer's door, right? Most salespeople will instinctively go for the easier option, right? So monitor, measure. How much of the week are they supposed to be devoting to, to new business? You know, is it New Business Monday or... However you want to do it, nine, nine till 10 every morning, is it whatever, just just make it happen. Because if you don't, if you don't measure it and monitor it, implementation suffers. I think that the, the point though about the title of the program about the hazy sales dream and, and doom to fail is that actually all dreams are hazy. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. that you will never recall the dream in the way it happened. Most people don't remember their dreams anyway. Uh, most people, you know, what's your dream in life? Uh, people often say, and they go, oh, I, my dream is to, you know, buy. In fact, I heard somebody say this at a meeting once, you know, what's your dream? And uh, my dream is to own a Caribbean island. Well, that person still doesn't own a Caribbean island because there was no plan as to how to get beyond that hazy dream or even if that hazy dream was even possible for them. So um, they still live in East London, but never mind. Uh, East London's a lovely place. Um, so but they uh, they hadn't got, as Phil says, a plan. But what happens when we go from that hazy to knowing we need to do a plan? Our desire is to do it in a really detailed way. And these days we go into, there must be software for it. So when you go to people and say, you know, turn that hazy dream into reality and get a plan for it, they will start Googling software that will do it. Um, and the software isn't always necessary. I remember once uh, I was asked to organise, together with five other freelance people, to organise a conference for 3,000 medical staff from across Europe. And um, we had never organised, we'd organised lots of meetings, but never one that big. And in addition, this time, the pharmaceutical company behind this decided that we also had to arrange transport door to door for every one of those 3000 people. So every one of those 3000 people had to be collected at their home, taken to their local airport. Um, and so there were huge logistical challenges. Plus we had to do everything in six different languages all at the same time at the conference. So six of us organizing this thing, we sat down and we went, we're going to need some software to sort this out because, you know, at the moment we've got scraps of paper and post-it notes and all the rest of it, and something's going to fall through the gaps. So uh, I was tasked with getting a project management program, uh, which I got, 
Um, and I then had to go on a training course to learn how to use it. Um, and then I entered all the data that we knew. Now, bear in mind, the pharmaceutical company had already booked the venue. The venue for this was already booked, and that was booked for April in the following year. Um, and they'd asked us to take this project on in July the year before. So we'd got, you know, whatever it is, nine, 10 months to organize this. Um, and uh, I entered all the material into the project management software, and it came up with the conclusion that this conference could not happen until October the following year. The venue was booked for April, um, but the project management software, no matter what data we put in, it kept coming back was it was impossible to do before the following October. So um, I put the software away. We carried on using scraps of paper and uh, notebooks and, uh, you know, simple ordinary planning systems, paper-based systems. Uh, we launched the conference in the April uh, and it won the International Conference of the Year Award. So a beating massive agencies, you know, six of us had produced this. We run the, won the Conference of the Year Award um, on a thing that the software told us was impossible to even do without winning an award. And that taught me that actually sometimes the software is not necessary. Yeah, so it's so more, Phil's point about yeah. planning and going into all that detail, but using a low-tech solution. And your point, Simon, that, well, how do you share that with people who are remote? Well, it's really easy. You take a photograph of it. Yeah, everybody, you can just take, every morning you can take a photo of it and just send it to them by text. You know, there's a, there are, it's a simple, straightforward way of them seeing what's in the office, and yet we, we default to going the complicated, really difficult way to plan, um, whereas actually there are much simpler ways of doing this. So the real Just, crucial thing is getting that plan and thinking about how do, we, how do we do that? How do we communicate that to everybody who needs to know? We don't need to go the complicated no. software route. And just on the point of the, uh, the wall planner that you've talked about, Graham, uh, again, I can think of many a conference I've attended where the chief executive says, uh, sales is not just down to the sales team. Sales is down to all of us, every single department in the company. And yet most of the sales data is locked in a file on the salesperson's computer. But you're absolutely right. If it's on a wall somewhere and 80% of the workforce are walking past it on a regular basis, yep. there's a fair chance that, yes, they will also understand it and start to ask questions. And when they bump into members of the sales team, uh, hopefully they might ask some more relevant uh, questions or make some more timely observations like, well done, I see that red blob is now a yellow yeah. blob or whatever it happens or, to be. By the way, my sister works for that company. There's yeah. the, yeah, yeah. the other one who used the internal, but just, just, just fighting the good fight for the tech that data should be off the salespeople's laptops and onto your cloud-based CRM system. Your company needs to own the customer relationship, not the individual salesperson. So yep. then you can use the data. So we're not, it's not like we're anti-technology. We're just saying, I think it's plan system. Then might we have some technology that will help? And if it isn't, don't use it, right? And Or use both. So, you know, there's loads of work scheduling, project planning. You can pay a you know, monthly as a yeah. service subscription. Often what happens in these situations is that, you know, you get some sales software in yeah. and you need training on it and yeah. so on to use it. And so consequently, the IT department then 
reduces access to only those people who are trained, which means yeah. the other people who could help don't have access to the software. So whereas if it's in a simple cloud program of some kind, then we don't have to worry about all that, who's trained to use all this, because everybody uses um, the, you know, if you think of something like Microsoft 365, okay. yeah, everybody, you know, everybody, but millions and millions of people use it. And if you've got your Microsoft Dynamics people behind it, the reports you see on a SharePoint page on Microsoft 365, anybody can see and use them. They don't have to, and they can just open a, you know, if they want to drill down into the data, they can open the spreadsheet associated with it. And they're all familiar with that. So they're not learning any new software. So putting it all in, the, and then you've got, everybody's got access to everything um, other than confidential things. But, you know, it's, yeah. it, there are simpler ways of doing this than, um, we might think, and I think it's really important that you plan, but don't fall into the trap of planning in such detail. You know, so it's really, you know, we could walk into that lighting company now knowing, uh, any one of us could walk in knowing that there's um, several yellow blobs who look like we could turn them into green blobs because they're yellow, so they're more likely to turn into green. We know where they are. Um, and we know that we need to get about, if we get them, we'll get about £5,000 with the business. So we can look and say, well, there's, you know, 10 yellow blobs left, but, you know, we're, we only need to convert most of those and we've got whatever it is, you know, nine grand of but know, I would, 50 grand of business was, coming in or whatever it I is. Was, if I was Steve, the CEO, I'd rather have my low-tech solution implemented now and live and active and the new business development taking place than I've got a new business project team looking at software and we're going through da, 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 and in three months' time, four months' time, we get launched. I'd start now, right? 80% right, 100% go, start, find out who those red dots are and start working on them. In yeah. the meantime you know you can retrofit a more sophisticated process or solution on the back of it and you can pay for it out of the revenue you've generated from Quite. from net new customers so i'd yep. say move you know move at speed get it about 80 percent right and then crack on with it and then learn and adjust it on the move and then maybe you do say you know what this is working so well we're going to invest some money into a more you know, a better, a better tech solution that will take out some of the legwork for it. Fantastic. But I'd, I'd get on with it in the meantime because yeah, that's everyone's, a really, after, everyone's after the same customer. That's a really important point, actually, because for every month delay you are behind your competition, your profits go down by 23%. So oh, wow, interesting the, data. The, the profitability is if you get out there before your competition, and so I'm assuming that your uh, lighting company, Phil, has got competitors – Mm. But um, if you if you get to those hundred people you need a month before the competition, you're twenty three percent more profitable yeah. before you think. Yeah. But also Phil's maths was five k times a hundred. It takes three to six months, right? Now the sooner those people place that first one k order, yeah. the sooner they're going to yeah. be placing the four k order, and you're going yeah. to get the full year benefit potentially of the. I mean, we don't know whether they do 1K and then 4K and then is that it or is there more to come? But they're on the books then, so you can upsell, cross-sell, boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. But the sooner they're on the books, the sooner they're revenueing, right? And that's yeah. just <clears throat> move fast, right? And um, and and kind of kind of get in there. So great. Yeah. So good. Some low-tech, some high-tech, some get-on-with-it kind of advice. Anything else, gentlemen, before I we... I have uh, one 
concern. What? Oh dear! It'll be about lighting. It'll be about. Oh, hang on. This is sounding dangerously like setting like targets. <laughs> no, I haven't. I haven't used the word target once, Graham. You'll notice. Even Mystic I, Meg could have. I, I even use. I even used the phrase "ish." So that I was deliberately not <laughs> being spot on. Let, let's where, just do, put... where do you stand on accountability, Jones? Accountability, though. For accountability. These knowing what they're supposed to be doing. Don't make anybody accountable for anything. At <laughs> <laughs> least of all me. <laughs> yeah. No, but you're not actually setting a sales target. What you're doing is setting a plan to get a specific number of customers. Yeah. You're not suggesting that I need to sell. 27 lighting items or whatever yeah. that that makes it much more difficult yeah so yeah, getting more of a particular kind of customer and knowing how many you need to get in order to achieve a particular financial revenue yes of course yeah. that that works but setting individual salespeople individual targets of you know how many products to sell that's that's Cut him off now, down. Simon. Cut him off now. We've heard that before. <laughs> it, actually, it's me who's got the button to cut off. I can mute you two and carry on. He's in, he's in charge, Phil. Don't don't let the power go to his head. <laughs> heaven knows, heaven knows where we'll be. He'll ban sales targets across the known universe. Yep. So, folks, we hope that's given you some thoughts in turning any hazy dreams into absolute actions. And for me. I would just say from experience that the monitoring, the implementation is a critical piece. And yeah, they sound low tech, don't they, visual boards? But by goodness, they work, folks. There's nothing wrong with low tech and high tech, right? Use what works, move with speed, get those new customers on the system and spending money before you're they're spending money with the competitors because then they're going to be saying we're all sorted thanks to your competition. Make life as hard for them as possible. So there are 200 plus episodes now in the sales chat show back catalogue available from wherever you get your or prefer to get your sales podcast and please subscribe so you'll be notified of new episodes. And they're also all available at saleschatshow.com website where you can also let us know your suggestions, questions that you'd like us to debate, discuss on future episodes, we will be delighted to record an episode based on your thoughts and your ideas. So please do let us know. And we look forward to your question, your comment, your topic featuring in an upcoming episode. In the meantime, please stay safe. Good luck with all your new business development and uh, good luck and good selling, folks. You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 